0: Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray that this message inspires hope, help, and healing in your life. And as always, welcome home. We've been talking about victory. And you know, I was thinking not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, the Super Bowl was on. And and how many of you like football? Does anybody like football? You enjoy watching it. You enjoy hearing about it. You know, I want to tell you a story about a man named Vince Lombardi. Anyone heard of Vince Lombardi? Vince Lombardi, in 1961, he was a football coach of the Green Bay Packers my dad's team, Green Bay, um, and, and he, and so in 1961, 38 members of the Green Bay Packers came to the first day of training camp. You know, they have spring training, and they train, and they went to training camp, and they had been playing the NFL championship right before that, and they, they had the lead, and late in the fourth quarter, they had this heartbreaking loss, so the first day of training camp, the, the 38 members of the Green Bay Packers come in, and they are ready to go. They got defeated, and they said, oh, man, we're ready to go. They were fired up. They were ready, but their coach had a different idea. And what he did was he, 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 said, he said he took nothing for granted, and he started like this. He held up a football, and he said, gentlemen, this is a football And he went back to the basics and back to the beginning of how to play the game. He taught them how to pass and taught them how to block and taught them how to tackle. And he took the game from back to the basics and back to the beginning, taking nothing for granted. And he taught you think, man, these are professional athletes who had been playing football for a really long time. In fact, there were times that his team looked at him and said, Well, coach, you're moving a little fast now for us, but he didn't care. He wanted them to have the basics so ingrained in them that when it came time for them to produce, they would never forget the fundamentals of the game. And you know what? As a result of that, his team became the best in the league at the tasks that everybody else took for granted. See, nobody else was teaching him how to throw a ball. They were learning all these fancy plays. Nobody else was working on the basics of blocking and tackling. They were doing fancy things. But he said no, and it said that no other team in the entire football league was as good as they were at doing the fundamentals. Six months later, they beat the New York Giants 37-0 to win the NFL championship. And it said that that season was the beginning of the reign of Vince Lombardi's greatest reign. He was known as one of the greatest football coaches of all time. It said that he never lost in the playoffs ever again. It says in total, he won five NFL championships in a span of seven years, including three in a row, and he never from that day forward coached a team with a losing record. He didn't take for granted that they understood the things. He said, we're going back to the basics and back to the beginning. And when I was getting ready to minister to you tonight, I thought, isn't that what we need to do as believers? That doesn't just apply to the game of football, but it applies to our lives. Sometimes we have to go back to the basics and understand the things that we take for granted that we should know. But sometimes the things we know are the things that we take the most for granted. And when we get in the middle of the game, when we get in the middle of the fight, when we get in the middle of the press, we forget to do the very Basic things that we once knew how to do. So, tonight I'm going to give you some fundamentals, if that's okay. And I've titled this The Five Fundamentals of Victory. The Five Fundamentals of Victory. And you might say, Well, I've heard this before. Well, if you've heard this before, then why are you defeated? And if you've heard this before, then why are you discouraged? And if you've heard this before, why are you anxious? Because somewhere along the way, even though we know we forget. So we're going to talk about that. The very first fundamental of victory, you can write this down, is that you are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. Chances are you have quoted that verse, I'm more than a conqueror. You've done that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 in the Amplified Bible says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory, making us conquerors, through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, a conqueror is simply a person who conquers, a victor. But what does victory even mean? You know me, and you know I like to break down words and find out what they mean and see if I can see something cool in there. And when I looked up the word victory, I found a lot of different definitions. But the one I liked the most said it was a success or a triumph over an enemy in a battle or a war. But then I listen to this. A success or a superior position achieved against any opponent, any opposition, or any difficulty. Sometimes when we're thinking about victory, we're thinking about it being about something really big. But you know, we have to find victory over our thoughts every single day. We have to find victory in our lives every single day over the big and the small things, any opposition, any, uh, any opposition, any opponent, any difficulty, we have to learn how to overcome. But we can do that because we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who is in us. If you'll go with me to Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, I'm going to take you to the story of Caleb and Joshua. We've talked a lot about them, and we've talked about them before, and you've perhaps heard the story. Just to preface it, I know Pastor Chris has been preaching about it, not a lot lately. But remember that God had already promised that he was going to give the children of Israel the land. He said, I am going to give you the land that is flowing with milk and with honey. And so what they did was they appointed the, the leaders of each. They took 12 men from the 12 tribes, one from each one. So basically it would be like the president of every tribe, the top guy in every tribe. They took them in to go and spy out the land that God had promised him. When they came back, it said they were grapes as big as their head. Those are some, I've never seen a grape as big of my head. Have you? It was truly a land that was flowing with milk and honey, that was full of abundance, that was full of everything they need. And realistically, God had already said, this belongs to you. But you know the story, it said that they were, basically when they got back in verse 30, it said that Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said, let us go up at once and possess it. We are well able to conquer it. See, Caleb had the spirit of a conqueror inside of him. And when he looked at the obstacles, he didn't see the obstacles. He just saw the opportunity to overcome. See, there's times when you know what God has for you. You say, hey, God, I see it. God shares with you. He gives you a small, tiny glimpse of what it is that you're going to see. But then the obstacles begin to rise up, and it can be easy to say, how is that going to happen? That can't be for me, but I'm dealing with this. But you have to understand that you have the spirit of a conqueror in you who, just like Caleb, said, let us go. Let's. He didn't say, hey, let's go next week. He didn't say, hey, let's think about this and develop a strategy. He said, let us rise up at once and go and take the land to possess it for we are well able to conquer it and that is the same spirit that is within us but his fellow scouts said oh no we're not able to go up against the people of Canaan for they're stronger than us so they brought the Israelites an evil report of the land which they had scouted out the land through which we went to spy it is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature See, the leaders of Israel were divided in this moment because 10 of the 12 spies that returned, they took their eyes off of the promise and they began to see the the obstacles and they began to see the problems that came with the promise. You might have a promise in your life, but let me let you know that it's going to come maybe with, with some obstacles. Maybe that promise is going to come with some problems. You know, we started saying around here, we don't say that we have problems. We say we have opportunities, we have issues. But you want to know what? Sometimes you're going to encounter problems. But you have to recognize and see, am I going to be like those 10 spies who all I saw were the problems in what God had for me? Or am I going to be like Caleb and Joshua and rise up and say, I am well able to overcome and conquer. I might not know how I'm going to do it, but I know that if he brought me to it, he's going to help me through it. Amen? Amen. And he's going to help you overcome. See, God had to intervene, and he did in that moment, because he rapidly brought judgment upon each one of those godless leaders. We don't often talk about that, but you want to know what? He removed the ones who allowed themselves to be contaminated by the evil report. We often stop talking. We talk about Caleb and Joshua, but you want to know what? God stopped and said, whoa, 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 hold on. Let me eliminate the ones who doubt Let me eliminate the evil report because all I want is for you to focus on the promise and focus on what I told you and focus on what you're well able to do. Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit and as a result they were the ones that obtained the promises of God. They inherited the promised land and they were honored by God for their successful leadership. That's what set them apart. It's important to take into account that when you refuse the thoughts of failure, then you're able to have a conquering mindset. Your mindset needs to be, I am a conqueror. I might not feel like a conqueror in this moment, but I am a conqueror. I might not look like a conqueror in this moment, but I am a conqueror. I don't know how I'm gonna be a conqueror, but I choose to be a conqueror. And you make, you know, we have control over our emotions, over our thoughts, over our feelings. We say it all the time, change your focus, you'll change your feelings. Stop looking at the problem, start looking at how big your God is. How do I do that? I don't know, just go pray in the Holy Ghost for about 20, 30 minutes and pretty soon you'll think you can do anything. Was it David who said, I can leap over a wall and I can do all these things and I can overcome, why? Because he knew that the God he served was with him, amen? The mentality of defeat and failure has one job and that's to destroy you, to rob you of faith and to rob you of hope. See, faith and hope work together. Faith is simply what you believe. Hope is a confident expectation that what you believe is going to come to pass. But you want to know who chooses hope? You choose to hope. Abraham, against hope, believed in hope. You choose to say, I don't... Have you ever met someone walking through something so incredibly, like, just so much, and you're like, I don't know how they do it, and they have a smile on their face, and they're like, well, praise the Lord. Right? Maybe some of you have been there. Maybe some of you haven't, but you want to know what? You make the choice to hope. You make the choice to believe. But the enemy comes in with those thoughts of discouragement and defeat to try to rob you of your hope and to try to rob you of your faith. And because once you release your belief, that hope says, I confidently expect that what I'm believing for is going to come to pass. And that's not what this sermon is about. So we're not going to go there, but pastor Chris has a great book about it. You can read called hope your confident expectation. The end result of defeat comes to try to cripple you from doing the work of God. Those thoughts make you miserable. They're deception. They deceive you into thinking that everything you've ever done is meaningless and that there's only, there's nothing left for me to do. I can't do it. The 10 spies let their minds be wrapped up in failure when they said, well, these people are bigger than us. I remember David in a similar situation who said, hey, God, I'm the only one standing here. Do you want me to pursue? Do you want me to overcome? Because I know you're with me. And if you're with me, then we can do anything. That's what the spirit of a conqueror does. But you have that spirit in you. God placed the spirit of a conqueror within you. Thoughts of insecurity and doubt and unbelief will always make you focus on the impossibility in the midst of your difficult circumstances. It seems like they're giants. But how am I going to do this? This is why I'm like a grasshopper. I don't have the resources, God. You're calling me to do this, but I don't have anything to give. I don't have the resources. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the understanding. But do you have the ability to say, I choose to believe that you'll give me the knowledge and you'll give me the understanding and you'll give me the resources and you'll bring the people across my path and you'll help me walk and do the things you've called me to do. Can you rise up like a conqueror in the midst of defeat and say, you want to know what? I choose not to be defeated. I choose not to curl up into a ball and say, I guess it's over. You stand up and say, it's not over till I say it's over. And I decided it wasn't over today. In Isaiah 30, verse 8, you have to look at this. I, I, I wrote this down that remember, you have to remember that you and God together are always the majority. You might be faced with one can put a 1,000 to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight, but if that second person is God on your side, let me know there's nothing that's impossible for him and there's no limit to who you can put to flight in that situation because when you have God, nothing is impossible with him. You have to remember you're always in the majority and if God is with you, you can overcome and you can be victorious in every single thing you're facing. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, and the Amplified Bible says, this therefore the Lord earnestly waits expectantly and he longs to be gracious to you and therefore he lifts himself up that he might have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you for the Lord is a God of justice blessed happy fortunate to be envied are all those who earnestly wait for him who expect and look and long for him. And then you see these words for his victory, his favor, his love, his peace, his joy, his matchless, unbroken companionship for his victory. It says in that translation that, that he will never fail them. His victory is a promise from him. It says that he is longing to be gracious to you, to show you that he overcomes in every situation. There has never been a situation since the beginning of time that God has not been able to triumph and overcome in. Even the situations that seem like they are ending in defeat are not because they are resurrected and brought back to life through him. So you have to remember that you are more than a conqueror. The second truth that we're going to talk about today, the, the, the second um, fundamental of, of victory that we're going to talk about today is that you don't have to defeat the devil. Yes, write that down. Right, I don't have to defeat the devil. You want to know why? Because Jesus already did and he gave you the victory. We're walking around trying to fight a fight that we've already won. We're walking around trying to fight the enemy when our our big brother already defeated him. He defeated death, hell and the grave. And we have to understand that Jesus defeated him. He gave the victory to you and I. So we don't have to defeat him on a regular basis. He is already defeated. Sometimes you have to tell yourself, no, the devil's coming against me, but he can't win because he's already defeated. God already, Jesus defeated him before we ever came along so that we could know that we don't have to defeat him. We don't have to overcome him. The only thing we have to do is resist and refuse him. But he gets in our minds and makes us feel like we've got to fight this battle and we've got to fight this fight. No, you don't have to fight. You just have to let him know that he's defeated. He's defeated. See, it says in 1 John 3, 8 that that the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came to this earth was to destroy the works of the devil. Colossians 2, verse 11 through 15, it says that in him, I'm going to skip ahead. It talks about through Jesus, and I want you to go to to 15. It says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. That means that he went down to hell, got the devil, stripped him naked, robbed him of all his power, and said, hey, guess what? Now your time is going to start, and one day it's going to run out. See, Jesus is eternal. The devil is not. He's trapped in time, and one day the time is going to end, and the time is going to be over. He thinks he's won for a season, but you want to know what? That's only a, 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 something that makes him make you believe that, but you want to know what? It says in the Bible, if you go to the end, we were talking about this. I talked about this at the women's ministry. I like to know the end of a story before I read the book. It's just a weird little quirk I have. If I'm watching a reality show, I go read the spoilers so I can see what happens. I like to, if there's a movie, only if it's kind of scary, I don't like scary movies, but I will, if it's like really intense, I will always go Google it to see if I can see what the ending is so I can make sure I know how it ends. I was talking to Evan the other day. He said, "Doesn't that ruin?" No, it does not ruin it. It increases my enjoyment when I know how it ends. I can enjoy how the story unfolds. But you want to know what? It's good because I can go to the end of the book and I can read how it ends. So that means I know that, regardless of what I walk through in this moment, that I am that I am a more than a conqueror because the enemy has been defeated. He was defeated before. That means it isn't. He's not going to be defeated again. He's already defeated. So we go through, oh, he's already been defeated, but we have to defeat him every day. We've got to take authority over him. No, you don't. You just have to tell him to leave. We spend a lot of energy fighting a battle we don't have to fight because we are fighting someone who's already lost. Can you imagine if that prize fighter gets in the ring and he's just fighting, fighting the race the, the fight is over. The guy has already won. He's already like celebrating back in the victory thing. Can, we just had the Daytona 500. I was really cool. I went to. Can you imagine if after the guy wins the race, somebody else starts driving around the track? What are you doing? Well, I'm going to win. I'm going to be the victor in this race. You can't be the victor. The guy already won. You already lost. It's the same thing with the, Would that make any sense? The football team wins. And next thing you know, there's people out on the field throwing passes. What are you doing? The game is over. The champion has been declared and you were declared the loser. You don't get to win. But the enemy does that to us, doesn't he? He engages us in a fight and makes us think there's still a fight going on when he's already been defeated and there is nothing that he he, he can't hold it over you. You just have to have the knowledge and the understanding. And once you possess that knowledge, you can say, you know what? I'm not going to fight with you. You already lost. Go back to your corner. Go cool off. Throw a bucket of water on him and say, get out of here because you're already done. But we fight and we expend all this energy fighting a battle that we don't have to fight because he's already been defeated. The devil's title, why don't you start calling him this? Hello, et- if the devil starts talking to you, go, um, I'm sorry, eternally defeated one. Did you say something? Because you've already lost. We know that 1 John 4, 4 says, He who is greater than, in, 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 who, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. But why do we live like the, he's the greater one then? He's in you. You don't have to defeat him. You just have to open up your mouth and let him know he's defeated. See, in Revelation, it does say, in Revelation 12, 11, that the saints have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Sometimes you have to open your mouth and say, I don't care what it looks like. You have not defeated me. You will not defeat me. You will never defeat me. You're already lost. I've already won. So get on out of here because I'm not going to waste my time playing with you anymore. You say, well, that's a lot easier said than done. I know. It can be hard. I'm not diminishing what you walk through. I'm not diminishing the pressure. I'm not diminishing the moments when you feel so broken and you feel like you've been defeated. I'm not diminishing that, but I am telling you that you have the power to rise up and say, no, not today. Because you already lost and I've already won Because my daddy, my brother, and my uncle, Holy Spirit, too, they all whooped you all in one, and now you don't have any power in my life. In Isaiah 59, verse 19, it says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Where's the Spirit of the Lord? Come on, you've been taught real well. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of God on the inside of you lifts up a standard against him when you open up your mouth and you say, you want to know what? Not today. You just have to declare. You don't have to defeat him. You have to resist him and you have to refuse the attacks on your life. Amen? And and along with that, your third fundamental is this. You have to stand your ground. You have to stand your ground. See, I remember the story in Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. And and it's the story of when the children of Israel were in slavery in Egypt, and and you know if you remember the story, Moses rose up to become the deliverer of the people. He went to Pharaoh. He went all the different times, and he said, "Let my people go." And God, and he said, "Okay, no, I'm not letting your people go." And the plagues came along the earth, and they had you know frogs and lice and hail and all this crazy stuff, right? And then finally, we know that the last one, God, he but it said God hardened Pharaoh heart after each time and he said no you can't go but then we know the last plague all the firstborns except for the firstborn of the israelites were killed and pharaoh finally said go and worship your god but the all the people of israel they left the land and they were walking towards the place of freedom but they came to a place where they were standing at the sea and it was there was there, it's like you walk to the ocean and where else do they have to go There was an army coming. They turned around and looked, and Pharaoh had changed his mind again, and the army was coming towards them. And they're standing there literally between a rock and a hard place because they have nowhere to go before them and nowhere to go beneath them. But then Moses said these words in Exodus 14. The people said, you know, they were like they were afraid, and they said, Why did you take us out of Egypt? Why did you leave us here? We're going to die in this place. And in verse 13, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. In another translation, it says the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. How many of us, when we need to be still, our minds are still racing 100 miles an hour trying to figure out how he's going to do it. He didn't tell you to figure it out. He said stand still and see the deliverance of the Lord. In your situation, you have to learn to stand your ground because he'll come in and try to destroy your thoughts and try to get you all confused and try to get you where you can. And you just have to stand still. Sometimes standing still is the very hardest thing to do. But you don't understand, there's there's water in front of us and if we go in there, we're gonna drown. And if we turn around, there's armies coming to kill us and we're standing here and God said, Stand still stand still. He said, stand still and you shall hold your peace. Stand still and hold your peace. Stand still and tell your mind to be quiet. Stand still and tell your mouth to be quiet. Stand still and say, God, I don't know what you want me to do right now, but I do know that you said I would see the deliverance of the Lord, so I'm just going to stand still. You know, I love Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18, that talks about the armor of God. And it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Do you remember that scripture? But you see, you enforce the victory not by fighting, but sometimes just by standing. See, if we read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the devil and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end. And it goes on. It's interesting to me that in this passage of scripture, the used rest, word wrestle or fight is only used one time. He doesn't say fight with the shield and fight with the sword. He says you wrestle not against flesh and blood. It doesn't talk about fighting, but he uses the word stand four different times. When you've done all you can stand, you're going to withstand. He said Put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, not that you may be able to fight him. He says that you, therefore, take the armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, not that you'll be able to fight the wicked one. We are so big. Everyone likes to quote that scripture. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. No, I don't have to wrestle anything. I just have to stand. We exhaust again. You know what I really feel tonight? I feel so many of us in this room tonight have become exhausted with the wrestle. And we need to find the peace in the stand. Stand and find your peace. I'm tired of fighting. That's because you're not supposed to fight. He didn't tell you to fight. He said put on the armor of God that you can stand. He said, you have the sword of the spirit. He didn't say to start swinging it around. He just said, stand. He said, quench the fiery darts of the devil, hold up the shield of faith and let them bounce right off of you, but stand. He says that you have to stand when and after you've done all you can do, stand a little more. Because sometimes standing makes us feel like we're, when you feel like you're standing still, you don't feel like you're doing anything. And the enemy comes and tries to tell you that unless you're doing something, then it's doing nothing. But that's not true. Because if I stand still, then I allow God to fight the battle for me. And that's where I want to be anyway. The minute I start to try to fight, God has to step back and say, I told you to stand still and let me fight. Now you want to get involved and I'm going to have to wait till you're through. Are you through yet? And he waits and while you're fighting and you're fighting and I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I can't stand anymore. And he says, good, are you done yet? You know what? Don't even stand. Just go lay there on the ground and let me fight for you. Calm your mind. Calm your voice. Go and let me fight the battle for you because it's mine, not yours. Jehoshaphat, back in 2 Chronicles, I'm not going to read the whole story. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, you read the story of Jehoshaphat with the children of Israel. And he made some big mistakes. And they had an army that was coming. And then he basically, you know, the the spirit of the Lord came on one of the guys named Jehaziel. He was the son of that, Zechariah. A lot of names I'm not going to read. And he said, listen, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. Some of you need to hear tonight that the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. And then he continued on to say this. Tomorrow, go down against them. Oh, but you told me I'm not supposed to fight. He He didn't say don't go to the edge of the battle. He said you go right up to the edge of the battle. You stand there. He said, they're surely gonna come up and you will find them at the end of the brook of the wilderness. But then it says this in verse 17 of Second Chronicles verse 20, chapter 20. It says, you will not need to fight in this battle. What do you mean we don't need to fight? We're outnumbered. There's everywhere we look. They're to the left, to the right, to the front, to the back. They're outnumbering us on every front. What do you mean? Go to the battle and just stand there. And God said, yeah, that's what I said. Go to the battle and you will not need a fight. Position yourselves and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Do not be a fear or be dismayed. Go out against them for the Lord is with you. See, some of us are going to the battle and we're trying to fight. And God didn't say go to the battle and figure out how you're gonna fight. He said go to the battle and stand. And when we recognize those things together that the enemy is already defeated, it kind of makes it a little easier to stand. God, you didn't tell me to fight, you told me to stand. And I'm gonna do what you tell me to do. I'm just gonna stand. People might think you're crazy for standing. Well, why are you doing that? Because God told me to and he didn't tell me to do anything different. He told me to stand. Some of you need to recognize that you have to stand your ground. The fourth fundamental is this: And see, when you recognize that that battle is not yours, that's where you have the confidence to stand. That's why you have to know the battle's not yours, but the Lord. That's why you have to know that you do not wrestle against flesh and blood, because that gives you the confidence to say, "Oh, if I'm not fighting flesh and blood and I'm fighting a spiritual battle, well we already won that. So that gives you that confidence to be able to say, hey, God, I don't know how you're going to figure this one out, but go ahead. Figure it out. Fix it. The fourth fundamental is that you have everything you need inside of you. God has given you everything you need inside of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 through 23 says, Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. You are Christ and Christ is God's. Ephesians 1 and 3 says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. God has given you, already granted you everything that you need. Sometimes you just have to unlock it. How do you unlock it? By getting the word, by getting the revelation knowledge, how many of you have sat in church and you're like, "Wow, I never knew that before." But when you find a new principle from the Word of God, you go, "I know how to fight for my marriage now because I know what God says. I know how to fight for my finances now. I know how to f- I, I not fight because I've just got done telling you not to fight." But but you know, I know how to stand for my finances. I know how to do this. We learn. See, when knowledge comes, it was so cool. We have our Bible college, and I'll never forget Pastor Stacy. You know, in Georgia, she told me one time she was taking the Bible school many many years ago, and she started because then they. Started started one in Georgia and so she was doing the classes and she said man like every all of this stuff like now that we're learning about this it's coming after me and I said oh it's been coming after you all the while you just didn't know what it was the minute the eyes of your understanding are open and you can see those things then you begin to see in a realm but the thing is then you have the ability to overcome them too because you see them coming and you know how to divert them you know I don't have to fight you I just have to stand here and tell you to go away go away go away I think of, what was one of those movies like King Kong or something, you know, the big giant gorilla, is that King Kong? I haven't seen the movie. But I saw a a preview once where he was standing there and all these airplanes are flying around him and he was just going like that. These big airplanes, fighter jets coming at him and he's just standing there going, see, when you, when you recognize and you get the knowledge that you need and the understanding that you need, then you can stand there and go, no, this is just an attack, and I'm bigger than you. No, I don't have to do anything. I just got to stand here and flick you away because you're just an annoying little gnat. He tries to make you think he's a big old thing, but you want to know what? He's the eternally defeated one. Just give him a little drop kick and say, get out. I don't need you. The devil knows that. That's why he deceives you. That's why he tries to make you think you don't have the victory. Oh, see, you don't have any peace. See, you're supposed to have the peace that passes all understanding, and you don't have any peace right now. You don't have any peace right now. You don't have any peace right now. You need to say, shut up. I have the peace that passes all understanding that reigns in my heart. It reigns in my mind. Oh, but see, you're supposed to prosper. You're supposed to prosper. You've been tithing. You've been giving. You've been doing all this. Where's your money? Where's the money? You don't have enough money to pay your bills. You don't have to do this. Where's your? You have to declare, I'm, I don't need to become rich. I'm already blessed. Blessing is better than riches. I'm blessed, and God blessed me. It doesn't matter how much in the have, in you have in the bank because you're richly supplied because you're in Christ. Same with healing. The, the enemy will try to attack your body. I'll be, I'll be transparent with you guys. I just went to the doctor today. I had something going on in my body that had been going on for a year. And, and I had something that shouldn't have been there. And about a year or so ago, I felt something in my body that I knew shouldn't have been there. And I went to the doctor and they gave me some antibiotics and I was like, okay, it's okay now. But then for probably a good six, eight months, it was there. And I could feel it. And I was like, okay. And I I started to, can I be honest? I, I, I was a little bit nervous. I went to the doctor a month ago and I said, listen, this is not supposed to be in my body and it's here still and I can feel it every day and it's hurting me now and it's hard as a rock and there's something in my body that shouldn't be there. And he said, Okay, well I'm pretty sure it's not. He goes, I think it's not anything. I'm gonna give you some antibiotics and and I'm gonna, you know, we'll do another round of like really strong antibiotics and we'll see if we have any results. And as much as I stand and I know that I'm the healed of the Lord, the thoughts and doubts still tried to come in. Maybe you might have cancer in your body. Can I be honest and tell you that? I had a few days when I was literally worried about it because no matter what I did, I could always feel it. And Pastor Chris looked at me a couple of weeks ago. He said, stop trying to find it. Don't go looking for it. Just leave it alone. So I didn't try to, somebody said, how are you doing with that? And I said, I don't know. I haven't even felt for it. I don't know. And I went to the doctor today, and he said, nope, it's pretty much where, like, you're at the same same on one side as you are on the other. That's where we need to be. It diminished, it's like, I would say it's 100% better. But you want to know what? I didn't give in to the fear, but I had a few moments. Why? Because sometimes the enemy still comes in and he finds a weak moment when you're overwhelmed with something else. And he tries to make slip those thoughts in. And the next thing you know, you're like, I know the fundamentals of healing. I've been listening to healing for 20 years. Plus, I mean, I'm 45. I've been hearing healing my whole life. I know how to stand. I know how to declare the word of God. I know how to believe. But sometimes in the middle of the of the battle, I had to just stop and stand still. I said, I don't know. I haven't even felt for it. I'm not even going to see where it's at. I'm not going to try and see if it's gone down. I don't care. I don't care if I go tomorrow and he tells me, we got to go do an operation. You want to know what I was said? Too bad, so sad, because you're not going to find anything on the other end of it. I had to get to the place where I had to decree and declare, you know what? I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to fret about this because my God has overcome in sickness and disease, cannot live in my body or on my body we say that prayer every day with my kids my kids know we pray every day on the way to school that sickness and disease cannot live in or on my body then why am I worried about sickness or disease being in my body because the enemy comes in and he tries to overwhelm you is that okay I mean I'm just being honest but maybe you can learn from me and say oh man if Pastor Liz had a moment maybe it's okay for you to have a moment too just don't dwell in the moment get up from the moment and overcome the moment I had those thoughts that does not mean for one day I lived in those thoughts. Because every time those thoughts come, you have to take them captive. The Bible says take every thought captive and and put it into the obedience of God. I had to say, no, I cast down imagination. No, there's nothing wrong with me. No, uh," the devil would be like, oh, see, you can still feel it. See, it's still there. And I'd be like, well, okay, I don't care. And yeah, did I maybe have a moment that I worried? I'm not going to lie. I sure did. But overall, I knew that I was defeated, and I I, I was not defeated, and he was defeated in my body. So that's why when I went today, I was not surprised to hear, no, you're fine. I mean, I was glad to hear, you're fine. (laughs) But I already knew it. But sometimes it is nice to have the confirmation of what you are believing for, amen? And you sit that. The devil says he tries to put stuff in your body and makes you feel weak so that you think you're still sick. Hey, see those antibiotics? I stopped taking them two weeks ago. See, they didn't work. Didn't go away, still there. But you wanna know what, it's gone now. It doesn't really matter. You can't live in it, you can't stay in it. You have to say, hey, you wanna know what, no. I have everything I need on the inside of me. I have healing on the inside of me. I have deliverance on the inside of me. I have peace on the inside of me. I have joy on the inside of me. I have love on the inside of me. I have provision on the inside of me. I have restoration on the inside of me. I have everything I need on the inside of me. Why? Because all spiritual blessings are in heavenly places in Christ and Christ is in me. So nothing that's outside of him can live in me. Nothing can be in me. In Ephesians chapter 1, 19 verse 21, it says the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above any principality. And power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. He has authority over all things, not only that which is now, but that which was, that which is, that which is to be. And we can rest in that, that that is the same power that is in the inside of us. I have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, dwelling in my mind and in my heart and in my body. So therefore, there's nothing else that can remain. That's where you find victory. Uh, you can worry is going to come you have to overcome worry fear might try to come it's it's not rational to think that these things aren't going to come at you but when you can stand confidently and say no i you know what i i know this is fear but i can't have fear because i have the greater one inside of me and he overcame fear so i can't no, therefore i cannot fear sometimes you have to be cold and clinical with yourself or else you'll work yourself into think you got to stop and go wait a second no wait a second Okay, I'm, I have some concern right here. I have concern. I have anxiety. I have this. I'm, I'm upset about my child. But you want to know what? The Bible tells me, can I think this thought right now? Am I allowed to think this right now? No, you know what? I don't think I can think this right now because it's not what the word says. You have to sometimes train yourself. A wise man's heart teaches his mouth what to say. So sometimes we have to teach our mouth what to declare and teach our mouth what to decree. And if you if you, you okay so you say pastor Liz now you're making me feel really bad because I was wearing good don't say anything. Out of your mouth declare and decree that I cast all my care on the Lord for he cares for me. In Ephesians Chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, it says, Even though when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Those heavenly places are in you. And I'm going to give you the fifth fundamental to victory right now, and that is this. You fight from a place of victory, not for a victory. See, sometimes we're fighting for a victory, but you have to realize you're already a victor. And you have to fight from a place of knowing that you're already defeated the foe. In 1 John chapter 2, 1 through 2, it says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Jesus is the propitiation for sins, which just means it's a fancy word. But the word propitiation literally means it's an appeasement for a deity. So it basically means that he became the offering to appease our sins. It means that, that he satisfied the debt that our sins would have been responsible for. But the thing is this, to reap the benefits of what Jesus did for us, we have to then appropriate it. Yeah, that's just another big word that all that means is that you have to take it for yourself and you have to take possession of it. The gift of salvation is readily available to everybody. We know what John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. Does that put any restriction on who is able to receive the gift of God? No, it does not. His, his salvation came for everybody. Then why are there some people in hell right now? The fact that Jesus died for our sins is an absolute truth. Then why is the whole world not saved? Because in John 3, 18, it says, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Forgiveness is an absolute truth. But if you want to experience Forgiveness, you have to appropriate it or take possession of it for yourself. Same thing. Same thing with with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, what happened? They were all gathered together. Jesus had gone up to heaven. They were all standing there in this room. And all of a sudden there came a sound as a mighty rushing wind and a close of fire. And they all began to speak with tongues and they all began to prophesy. And it was an amazing, amazing thing. And the Holy Spirit came and made his residence in home in anyone who became saved. So why does everyone not operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Why do so many people who believe in Jesus and forgiveness of sin shut out the Holy Spirit and believe that that is not for them? The power of the Holy Spirit is an absolute truth. But if you want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you have to appropriate it or take possession of it and say, this is for me and I choose. How many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit? You can pray with the Holy Spirit right now. How many of you know the power that comes from praying in the Holy Spirit? It revives you. It gives you strength. But unless you open up your mouth and you begin to speak, that power lies dormant. Unless you receive the forgiveness of God and the forgiveness for your sins, then that power lies dormant. You say, there's nothing that God cannot do. Yes, there is. God cannot save someone who doesn't want to be saved. He gave us the choice to say, I'm going to receive it or I'm not going to receive it. You can play. The Holy Spirit, it's an absolute truth, but you have to appropriate it. See, Satan's defeat is an absolute truth. It's not something that maybe is happening or maybe has happened or maybe will happen. Jesus, If you believe that Jesus saved your sins... How many of you believe Jesus came to earth and died on the cross for you so that you could have eternal life? Then you have to believe that he had to defeat death, hell, and the grave to overcome that, which means that Satan is defeated. It's an absolute truth. There's no option not, but the only way that you can experience the benefit of his defeat in your life is to appropriate it and say, I take possession of that. You have to say, I'm going to take my authority in the Lord Jesus. I appropriate it. I stand on it and I come against the kingdom of darkness in my life. You have to say, no, I'm more than a conqueror. You have to say no i have everything i need on the inside of me you have to say no i'm gonna choose to stand you have to say no i'm gonna fight from a place of victory or it doesn't matter he's defeated in your life but he'll overcome your life if you let him that's the way it works God forgave you, but unless you allow His forgiveness to come in your life, you spend all your life trying to find whatever it is you need to find from Him when He already gave it to you. Be like, if I tell Miss Ann, hey, Miss Ann, I'm gonna give you this right here. I'm gonna give you this book. I'm just gonna give this to you. It's for you. And I give it to her, and she has it in her hand. And all she does is say, man, Pastor Liz, I really wish you'd give me that book. You think you could give me that book? Man, if I only had that book, I would find what I needed. If I only had that, and I'm like, it's right there in your hand. You have it. You have possession of it. You have possession of victory. You have possession of peace. You have possession of breakthrough. You have possession of everything you need. You just have to make the choice and determine and say, I'm going to take hold of it and I'm going to believe it and I choose that. Come on and just stand to your feet right now. You're not fighting for victory. You already have the victory. If there's anything I could leave you with in these fundamentals of victory, it would be that you don't have to fight for the victory. You already have the victory. I want you just to close your eyes all over this building because maybe there's some of you in here tonight, I really felt that when I started this message that there's some of you who are so weary from the fight. And if that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, that's me tonight, I'm tired. I've been fighting too long. And if you'd be brave enough to come down here, I'd love to pray for you. If you want to just come down here, come up here. I want to pray for you. You say I don't want to. I don't want you to pray for me. I'll just pray for you at your seat. That's okay. You don't have to come. But if that's you tonight, say, "Hey, I really want you to pray." Because there's it. I'm going to tell you this. If I feel compelled to have you come, you can go ahead and they'll line you up. But if you feel, if you come down here and let me pray for you, if I'm saying it right now, that means there's an opportunity for it to be a break. The things that held you back, just lift your hands to heaven. If you're up here right now, lift your hands to heaven. See, there's something to be said that if I'm saying this right now in this moment, that I'm going to let you know something right now that there is power in my word